Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about how property investors can recover from natural disasters. And at the moment, Auckland is going through a really rough patch with weather, including some of the surrounding regions like Northland, significant flooding there that is damaging rental properties and impacting property investors. And so today we're going to talk about how can you recover from these natural disasters? And while this is specific to Auckland scenario at the moment, this will also apply to other natural disasters that may happen in the future. So one question people might have, Andrew, is their property's been flooded out. What do you do with the tenants? Well, as a landlord, you're responsible for the repairs. So what happens to your tenant depends on how bad the damage is to your property. So if the property's still habitable or partly habitable, then normally what you'd do is you'd negotiate a discount on the rent that they're paying. If the property is uninhabitable, so it can't be lived in at all, Section 59 of the Residential Tenancies Act kicks in, and that says your tenant can give you two days' notice to end the tenancy, or you, as the landlord, can give seven days' notice to end the tenancy. Okay, so the big question is, do I negotiate a rental discount or do I end the tenancy? And that all hinges on the definition of uninhabitable. Is my property uninhabitable or not? And do you know what? It's a big old it depends. Because if you look at the Residential Tenancies Act, there is no definition of what uninhabitable means. And so what you've got to do to figure out whether it's able to be lived in is really you've got to go through the tenancy tribunal orders that have been given in the past to understand, well, how does the tenancy tribunal define fine, uninhabitable, so you can make that decision. And actually, there's very little in there, but when you do find some cases, and we're going to go through them today, that start to put some definitions in there, it all depends on what's normal at the given time. I'll give you an example of what I mean. There was a case back during the Christchurch earthquakes, which was called Watkin versus Brazier Property Investments. And in that case, the tenants, get this, Andrew, didn't have power, didn't have water, and didn't have surge for a few days. They were also worried about the chimney collapsing. Does that sound habitable to you? I would have said no, but I think it is. So why do you think it is? Well, because it can still be lived in. So the judge in that case said that is still a habitable property because there are lots of people at that time in the immediate aftermath of the Christchurch earthquake that were without power, were without water, without surge. So it all depends on, well, what's normal in that community at the time? So there are some questions to ask yourself before we, we're going to dive more into this and give some examples, but you've got to ask yourself, is the whole house uninhabitable or is it only partially uninhabitable? Could somebody still reasonably live in the house? Is the property way more destroyed than other houses in the area? And are my tenants living in much worse condition than other people? And Andrew, I know there was... An example you saw on Facebook just today, actually. Yeah. It said, advice needed, please. Investment properties had the garage, the laundry, the rumpus room flooded on Friday. The landlords organised to have the tenants move their furniture into storage and get the carpet cleaner in to tidy it all up. Now, the tenants asked to terminate the tenancy or for the landlord to pay their temporary accommodation until the carpet's replaced. Now, they've got... In this instance, well, the the landlord's got AA with real landlord insurance policy. So it means that they've got full cover for this. 
but they don't think that either of them will cover the tenant's cost for temporary accommodation. So you want some advice on that. So I guess the first question is, is the property uninhabitable? And I would say in that instance, no. No. And, you know, the bedrooms, the kitchen, the bathroom, sounds like they're all fine. It's just the garage, laundry and rumpus room that weren't okay. Now, can the tenant then leave with two days notice? Absolutely not. So what should happen in this case? Well, this is probably a situation where the house isn't what they rented, so we need to adjust the rent accordingly. And it's interesting, the landlord did say, I mentioned a rent reduction, but they don't seem interested. To be honest with you, that doesn't matter, because it's what does the Residential Tenancies Act say needs to happen. And again, if you apply that test of what's normal in the community right now, it's quite normal that some homes, and it's really, gosh, it's unfortunate, but some homes are damaged. So if this landlord has already paid to move their furniture, paid to have a carpet cleaner in, is doing their best, I'd say this property is still inhabitable, you can still live in it reasonably, there needs to be a rent reduction, but the discussion is what should the size of that rent reduction be? Remember, Section 59 of the Residential Tenancies Act is all about if a property is destroyed and cannot be lived in. That's when the tenant could give two days notice. In this case, the property doesn't appear to have been destroyed, still inhabitable to the best of our knowledge by what we're reading here. I'd say in this situation, still inhabitable, negotiate the rent discount. That's what the tenant has to do. If they want to give four weeks notice and vacate, for example, if this was a periodic tenancy, they've probably got the right to do so, but they couldn't cancel with two days notice. And Andrew, that brings up a really good question of how do you go about determining what the discount should be. So I think you just look online and see what properties that are similar are available for rent that don't have the rumpus room because that's what's not available. Yeah, so a rumpus room and a laundry are destroyed. So what are some similar properties that don't have those amenities? And it's going to be a bit of a judgment call. And then you'd say, sweet, this is what the rent discount should be and you'll negotiate from there. And if you're a landlord and you think, oh, well, I might give them a little bit extra just to keep them because, you know, they've been great tenants up until now, then again, you use your judgment on this one. Now, I read through all 82 comments on that post and it does sound like, at least from the landlord's perspective, the tenants are scared that more flooding is going to happen and that's why they want to move out. And you might ask yourself, well, is that fear a reason they could use to end the tenancy? And again, the Tenancy Tribunal would say no. So I want to take you back to the discussion about the Christchurch earthquake case that I mentioned a little earlier in this episode. So in that case, the tenants were worried about a chimney potentially collapsing. And what the judge said in that case was the Residential Tenancies Act says the property has to be uninhabitable for you to be able to cancel the tenancy agreement with two days notice. It doesn't say anything about what could potentially happen. It already has to have happened. So in this case, the court didn't consider the potential risk that the chimney could fall. They didn't think that was sufficient to say these premises are uninhabitable. And in that case, I think there was actually an engineer's report that had said that the house was safe to occupy as well. So in this case, even if your tenants are worried that, hey, there could be more flood damage, that isn't a reason that they can cancel with two days notice. They'd need to go through the usual way or the usual processes for ending that specific agreement. I think another question people will ask, Andrew, is will my landlord's insurance cover me 
for any lost rent if my property is genuinely uninhabitable and my tenants have to move out. So yes, if you've got the appropriate insurance cover, because not all insurance covers landlords protection for things like gradual damage or loss of rent. But if it does, if your policy does include that, then it will cover you for up to six months of lost rent, which is great if the property is uninhabitable. It also often covers you if you've got a tenant that breaches their agreement. So say they just pack up and leave and have broken their responsibility under the tenancy agreement, then potentially it will kick in as well. One thing that I don't know, and I was trying to find this out online, see if you know. So I read through the policy wording of, I think it was AMI's landlord's insurance. Yes. And it says, okay, if you opt for that optional extra and you say, I do want to get cover if there's a natural disaster and, and I don't have rent, and it was all geared around not having a tenant at all. Do you know whether they'll top you up? So if I have to give my tenant a discount and I've got to decrease the rent by 50%, will they top you back up to a full market rent? I don't think so. Okay, that's interesting. So your, your property has to be properly messed yes, up. Yes, I believe that's true. Okay. And also the, the challenge there is that landlords are far more likely, because with insurance you've got to mitigate your loss, so a landlord may then be extra uh, generous, generous with, their with their discounting to keep their tenant and just think, well, the insurance company will pay for me. That would be a hard one, I would imagine. So, Ed, what do you think is going to happen in the rental market in Auckland with all of this going on? I think the rental market in Auckland is going to be very interesting over the next probably maybe three months. And there's going to be a lot of activity. And the really sad thing is there's going to be a lot of properties. I I've, think I've seen about 5,000 properties, the numbers I've looked at, about 5,000 properties that have been quite severely affected. Quite a lot. And the really sad thing is that people's homes are not going to be livable until they get tradies in there to be able to fix up the properties, maybe replace the carpet, all of those things that are going to need to happen in order for those properties to be livable. And in the meantime, these people are going to need to live somewhere. And so I think you're going to see a lot of temporary demand in the rental market as people need to move. And the reason I mentioned that is talking about this investor who's got his tenants who, I don't want to say they're taking advantage, but they, they are at least requesting things that they're legally not entitled to. All I'd say is if these tenants do up and leave, maybe leave this landlord a little bit in the lurch. I think the silver lining for him is going to be that he may be able to use that property to help other families who are going to be in need of accommodation because there are going to be people hunting around needing a place to stay. So I wouldn't be too distressed if your tenants do end up leaving because there will be a lot of people in need of some help. And look, if you are in Auckland, I just hope that you and your family are safe. And hopefully the properties that you own, both your own house and any potential rentals, haven't been damaged too severely. Right, let's wrap it up there. And please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. We're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 